One Million Ought to Be Enough for Anybody by Jake Edge. December 17, 2019. Programming languages generally have limits, explicit or implicit, on various aspects of their operation. Things like the maximum length of an identifier or the range of values that a variable can store are fairly obvious examples, but there are others, many of which are unspecified by the language designers and come about from various implementations of the language. That ambiguity has consequences, so nailing down a wide variety of limits in Python is the target of an ongoing discussion on the Python dev mailing list. Mark Shannon posted a proposal to impose a limit of 1 million on various aspects of Python programs, such as the lines of code per module. 1 million may seem like an arbitrary number, and it is, but part of his thinking is that it is also memorable, so that programmers don't need to consult a reference when wondering about a language-imposed limit. In addition, though, certain values stored by the Python virtual machine example, line numbers are 32-bit values, which obviously imposes its own limit, but one that may be wasting space for the vast majority of Python programs that never even get close. Beyond that, overflowing those 32-bit values could lead to security and other types of problems. As Shannon pointed out, a range of minus 1 million to 1 million could fit in 21 bits and that three of those values could be packed into a 64-bit word. Memory access is usually a limiting factor in the performance of modern CPUs. Better packing of data structures enhances locality and reduces memory bandwidth, at a modest increase in ALU usage for shifting and masking. Quote. He suggested that the data structures for stack frame objects, code objects, and objects themselves could benefit from packing in that fashion. There is also the potential for a more efficient instruction format, speeding up interpreter dispatch. Quote. He proposed using the limit for seven different aspects of Python programs. Quote. The number of source code lines in a module. The number of bytecode instructions in a code object. The sum of local variables and stack usage for a code object. The number of distinct names in a code object. The number of constants in a code object. The number of classes in a running interpreter. The number of live coroutines in a running interpreter. Quote ends. He also addressed the isn't this 64OK ought to be enough for anybody again question, which is something that immediately comes to mind when arbitrary limits are proposed. He noted that the Java Virtual Machine JVM limits many program elements to 65,535 which fits in 16 bits, that can be constricting, but mostly for program generators rather than hand-written code. The limit he is proposing for Python is a good deal larger than that and he believes it would not prove to be a real impediment to human-generated code. While it is possible that generated code could exceed the limit, it is easy for a code generator to modify its output to conform. Quote. Reactions. He provided short justifications for some of the limits, but many of those who commented in the thread were concerned with how much benefit they would actually provide. Chris Angelico asked whether Shannon had done any measurements to see how large of an effect there would be. Stephen DePrano agreed with the premise of getting memory and security benefits, but thought it was a bit much to expect Python developers to take the anticipated speed increase on faith. Steve Dower thought the overall idea was not unreasonable, though he had some concerns as well. Quote, Picking an arbitrary limit less than 2 asterisk asterisk 32 is certainly safer for many reasons, and very unlikely to impact real usage. We already have some real limits well below 10 asterisk asterisk 6, such as if, else depth and recursion limits. 
That said, I don't really want to impact edge case usage, and I'm all too familiar with other examples of arbitrary limits no file system would need a path longer than 260 characters, right? Smiley face. Quote ends. Dower is referring to the Windows MAX underscore PATH value, which restricts path names in the Win32 API to a maximum of 260 characters. He thought several of the proposed limits did seem reasonable, though the lines per module limit feels the most arbitrary. Comments and blank lines would certainly count against the limit, which gave him pause. The classes in a running interpreter limit is a bit worrisome, he said, but there may be ways to deal with programs that go beyond it while still getting any gains it brings. The benefits seem worthwhile here even without the rest of the PEP. Quote, but Rodri James thought that limits like those proposed will eventually become a problem for some. He also objected to the idea of packing the counts into smaller bit widths due to the inefficiency of masking and shifting on each access. Gregory P. Smith was, in general, in favor of limits, but was concerned that code generation would run afoul of them. He noted that the JVM limits have been a big problem in the Android world. Others in the thread also pointed to the JVM limits as being problematic. Guido Van Rossum posted some thoughts on the idea. He wondered a bit about the problem being solved and expressed some skepticism that, for example, representing line numbers in 20 bits rather than 32 is really going to be much of an efficiency gain. He was concerned about existing accidental limits that caused problems for generated code. But he also pointed out that the existing C Python parser is limited to 100 levels of nested parentheses and likely nested indent levels as well, and there have been no complaints that he has heard. A real-world example of a file with 1 million lines was noted by Oscar Benjamin. It is a test file for SimPy that crashed the Python 3.6 interpreter, though that was fixed in 3.7.1. The actual test is only around 3,000 long lines, but it gets rewritten by the PyTest framework into a file with more than 1 million lines. Benjamin also pointed out that a limit of 1 million bytecode instructions is even more restrictive. A distinction should be made between limits for the language itself and for those of the C Python implementation, Jim J. Jewett said. He noted that there is great value in documenting the limits that C Python in particular currently chooses to enforce, but that making the limits too high for the language itself would, for example, potentially leave out implementations like MicroPython. Quote, there may well be value in changing the limits supported by C Python, or at least C Python in default mode, or its bytecode format, but those should be phrased as clearly a C Python implementation PEP or bytecode PEP rather than a language change PEP. Quote ends. PEP 611. Shannon took in the feedback and reflected it in a PEP 611, the 1 million limit. That led to another thread, where there were more calls for some kind of benchmarking for the changes in order to reasonably evaluate them. Barry Warsaw also said that there is a lack of clarity as to whether you are proposing a Python the language limit or a C Python the implementation limit. If the limits are for the language then the PEP needs to state that, and feedback from other implementation developers should be requested. A few days later, Shannon asked that commenters be more precise about their concerns. There are costs associated with either choice, but simply stating a preference for a higher limit is not entirely helpful feedback. Quote, Merely saying that you would like a larger limit is pointless. If there were no cost to arbitrarily large limits, then I wouldn't have proposed the PEP in the first place. 
Bear in mind that the costs of higher limits are paid by everyone, but the benefits are gained by few. Quote ends. Angelico again asked for numbers, but Shannon said that the performance increase is difficult to quantify, given there is an infinite number of potential optimizations that it would enable, it is a bit hard to put a number on its smiley face. As might be expected, that hand-waving was not entirely popular. But part of the problem may be that Shannon sees the potential optimizations partly as just a byproduct of the other advantages the limits would bring, as Nathaniel Smith put it. Quote, Mark, possibly you want to reframe the PEP to be more like this is good for correctness and enabling robust reasoning about the interpreter, which has a variety of benefits and possibly speed will be one of them eventually. My impression is that you see speedups as a secondary motivation, while other people are getting the impression that speedups are the entire motivation, so one way or the other the text is confusing people. Quote ends. Justification is certainly needed for making changes of this sort, Shannon said, but thought that the current limits or lack thereof came about due to historical accident and or implementation details, which would seemingly allow a weaker justification. Van Rossum took issue with that assertion. Quote. Whoa. The lack of limits in the status quo no limits on various things except indirectly, through available memory is most definitely the result of an intentional decision. No arbitrary limits was part of Python's initial design philosophy. We didn't always succeed parse tree depth and call recursion depth come to mind, but that was definitely the philosophy. You have an extreme need to justify why we should change now. An infinite number of potential optimizations does not cut it. Quote ends. Shannon replied that it may be part of the philosophy of the language, but in reality Python has lots of limits. For example, he pointed out that having more than 231 instructions in a code object will crash C Python currently, that is a bug that could be fixed, but those kinds of problems can be hard to test for and find. Quote. Explicit limits are much easier to test. Does code outside the limit fail in the expected fashion and code just under the limit work correctly? What I want, is to allow more efficient use of resources without inconveniently low or unspecified limits. There will always be some limits on finite machines. If they aren't specified, they still exist, we just don't know what they are or how they will manifest themselves. Quote ends. The limits on the number of classes and on the number of coroutines were specifically raised as problematic by Van Rossum. Changing the object header, which is one thing that a limit on classes would allow, is a change to the CAPI, so he thinks it should be debated separately. A coroutine is just another Python object and has no operating resources associated with it, so he did not understand why they were being specifically targeted. Others agreed about coroutines and offered up suggestions of applications that might have a need for more than one million. Those objections led Shannon to drop coroutines from the PEP as the justification for limiting coroutines is probably the weakest. Steering Council Thoughts the Python Steering Council weighed in, perhaps in one of its last official actions, as a new council was elected on December 16 on the PEP. Warsaw said that it had been discussed at the meeting on December 10. The council suggested that the PEP be broken up into two parts, one that applies to all implementations of the language and would provide ways to determine the limits at runtime, and another that is implementation-specific for C Python with limits for that implementation. In addition, we encourage the PEP authors and proponents to gather actual performance data that can be used to help us evaluate whether this PEP is a good idea or not. Quote. Shannon is still skeptical that using a handful of optimizations to judge the PEP is the right approach. 
It is impossible to put numbers on all of the infinite possible optimizations, but it is also impossible to perfectly predict what limits might restrict possible future applications. However, he did agree that coming up with example optimizations and applications that would suffer from the limitations would be useful. In yet another thread, Shannon asked for the feedback, with specifics, to continue. He also wondered if his idea of choosing a single number as a limit, mostly as a memory aid, was important. Several thought that it was not reasonable to pick a single number for a variety of reasons. As DePrano put it, no one will need to memorize the limits since they should be rarely hit anyway and there should be a way to get them at runtime. Beyond that, there are already limits on things like nested parentheses, recursion depth, and so on that are not now and are not going to be 1 million. Paul Moore agreed that a single limit value was not important, though he was in favor of choosing round numbers for any limits, rather than something based on the implementation details. He also may have summed up how most are thinking about the idea. Quote, My view is that I'm against any limits being imposed without demonstrated benefits. I don't care how much benefit, although I would expect the impact of the limit to be kept in line with the level of benefit. In practical terms, that means I see this proposal as backwards. I'd prefer it if the proposal were defined in terms of here's a benefit we can achieve if we impose such and such a limit. Quote ends. That's where things stand at this point. It would seem there is interest on the part of the steering council, given that it took up the PEP in its early days, though the council's interest may not entirely align with Shannon's, ill-defined limits, with unclear semantics on what happens if they are exceeded, would seem to have little benefit for anyone, however. Some tightening of that specification for C Python and additional APIs for the language as a whole would be a great step. It might allow those interested to tweak the values in an experimental fork of C Python to test some optimization possibilities as well.